Hi, my name is Zach Kohler, and welcome to the Cosler Client Podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Rebecca Wilson from Eureka Creek Brahmins, a Brahmin stud breeder based in Queensland, Australia. We discuss with her how Eureka Creek got started and what to look for when you're purchasing Brahmin cattle, and much, much more. If you want to find out any more information about anything we talk about in this episode, you will all find it in the video description below. Okay, let's get into this episode. Beck, welcome to the Cosler Client Podcast. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Zach. I'm excited. Can you just tell everyone a bit about yourself and what your business does, Eureka Creek Brahmins? We breed um, stud, quali- stud, high-quality stud-grey Brahmin cattle for predominantly the um, stud market rather than the commercial um, meat-producing meat market. Um, the stud now is three generations. It was originally started by my parents, Barry and Pauline Bowie. Um, I'm currently managing the herd and my daughters Cassie and Nancy are both heavily involved and you know coming in to the business as well. So it's a full family business through all those generations? Yes it is, it is and my partner Brad is now um, is heavily involved in, in the business as well. Yep, that's fantastic. You mentioned uh, that you're on a stud business, um, can you just tell everyone the difference between what a stud, what the difference between a stud cattle and commercial cattle business is? Basically, we're in the business of producing bulls. We're in the business of producing animals that are going to go on and become breeding stock for other producers. Um, A commercial market is more targeted towards um, meat, a meat-producing market, whereas um, our stud cattle, we want them to go out and then produce the bulls and the females that will then end up on the tables of hopefully... um, high-quality restaurants around the world. Yeah, so it's like the, it's the higher-end market of the cattle industry, is what you're yes, saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, so what is Eureka Creek doing differently compared to other people in the stud market? Like, what's, what's your niche that you sit in? Uh, there's a lot of high-quality stud producers across the world in the Brahmin breed. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have had close association with a lot of people in numerous countries. Um, Eureka Creek has evolved in both Australia and the US. And I guess we've used those um, contacts and knowledge from across the world to try and produce a really high quality animal that can go on and be fertile. But most importantly, at the very end of the day, um, produce the best quality meat for the Australian and the world markets. So you mentioned that you do, um, you have a Brahmin cattle. What's the difference between Brahmin cattle and other breeds? Like, what's special about them? I think a Brahmin cattle are the most hardy breed in the world. Um, Australia has one of the harshest climates climates available to try and produce animals. Um, you know, we have severe drought, severe flood, um, hot weather. Um, Brahmins just have that ability to be able to handle the heat, handle the um, you know the extreme of any weather conditions. Um, They can and do um, well in colder climates, but they specifically thrive in the warmer climates, you know, like Australia and then the southern end of the US. Um, And they're also extremely predominant over in South Africa and a lot of those warmer countries. Yeah, sounds perfect for the Australian climate anyway. What, so, so what drew you to the cattle industry? Um, you said you've been in this for three generations, so I assume it come from your from your um, your father and come through your family. Um, but what got you involved? What was the thing that really drew you to it and wanted to be to, to get involved in this industry and take it over? I, I think it's just in your blood. It's something, um, you know. I we've had cattle as 
you know, as young children growing up and, and horses and in the livestock industry. Um, I went through to college, agricultural college, and um, become involved in the show cattle. And it just becomes something burning in my blood. Um, we then, as a, as a young adult, I moved to the United States and really was uninvolved in the industry for a few years. And um, it didn't take long to, for us to purchase our first animals. And then um, I just continued on in the United States um, to have something to come back to when we eventually you know, moved back to Australia. Yeah, mentioned you're, you're in the United States. Is there much difference between the stud market in the United States compared to Australia? Yes. Um, the Brahmin market in, in the United States, because it is predominantly a, a cooler climate and it is very driven by the feedlot market, um, are more your European style cattle. Um, whereas in the southern part of, especially Texas, Louisiana, you know, the Brahmins do well and do very well. Um, but they do not have to thrive in a harsh climate like we do in Australia. Um, the Americans, I think, have put the most amount of beef on us, on Brahmin cattle. That they've really stepped up the whole standard of the meat quality. Um, they've done incredibly a lot of good testing and you know keeping our our beef tender, keeping it um, juicy, keeping it in premium markets. However, those cattle then have to be able to come back and live in the harsh Australian climate. So we need to find a, more of a balance in Australia to still have that real beef cattle, but they also have to be structurally sound and they also have to be able to produce and reproduce in a harsher climate without um, so much of the really good feed that they get, you know, in the smaller paddocks in the United States. Yeah, so you're trying to get that mix. You're, you're trying to bring cattle like the the genetics from America over that have that beef on it, but then also the hardiness of the Australian market and bring them together, sort of find that happy medium. Is that right? That, that's exactly right. It's to find that balance. Um, I think everything we do in the Brahmin business is balance. You know, you sometimes have to forego one trait to get another trait, but at the end of the day, we need to have all the traits to a certain um, level and standard. And the perfect animal would be the greatest beef animal that is completely structurally sound and has a calf every 11 months, um, you know, and we're all thriving to get that. It's just, we need to do it through selection of um, both phenotype and genotype. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is your favorite thing about what you do? Like, it sounds like you, you said it's in your blood. It's something you've, you've or your family has always been in, but like, what's the thing you're like, God, I love this so much. Like, what's that thing for you? Ah, uh, to, to, to have a calf born, and then grow up and just be what you're looking for. Um, you know, we work really hard, both both in the office, you know, studying genetics, seeing the history, what has become, you know, we have a path to tell us how these genetics are going to work. And then to put that into the phenotype of an animal, you look and say, okay, what's gonna work with what? And when it works, it is, it's jackpot. And it's, it's the greatest feeling, um, you know, it's the greatest high you'll ever get to, to have all your hard work actually come to fruition. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. What's something that you found that, like going through this, that you think that people don't really understand about the, 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 the stud cattle market? Like what's, something that, what's a, something that people misunderstand a lot? And are there any common myths you would like to debunk about the stud industry as well? Oh, not, not really. As I said, there's a lot of really good producers out there that, that have done a lot for both the, all the beef market 
and the Brahmin market as well. Um, I think we're, we're all striving for the perfect animal. We're all striving to, um, you know, to get, to help each other too. It's, it's a really good industry to be part of. Um, so I don't really believe there's any myths out there. I think it's just um, everybody needs to keep working together and, um, and helping the Brahmin breed and the beef breed or the beef market in general. So what goes into making a stud bull ready for sale? Like, I'm sure it sounds like there's a hell of a lot of work that goes in it from, uh, from birth right up to the sale point. Quickly, people that don't, that don't really understand that, what, 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 can you really sort of elaborate on what that is and what goes into that? For, for a top-end beef animal or stud animal, um, it starts, you know, 10 months before with lining up AI programs, IVF programs, embryo programs. It starts long before the calf even hits the ground. Um, and then, of course, there's the watching and waiting for the baby to be born. Um, and we like to really um, uh, educate our cattle and have them where they're extremely quiet, where we know that they're going to be able to go into any environment and, um, and their attitude's going to be friendly, be nice. Um, so everything starts... Yeah, it, it's a full-on process all the way through. You know, from weaning, we, um, you know, we teach them just be scratched and sometimes led if we'd like to do showing. Um, you know, it's the feeding program is really important so that we get them to the highest genetic capacity that they can get, but then also being able, not hurting them in the same time where that they can still reproduce. Um, there's no problems with feet and legs. Um, it, it's a real fine balance. As I said, balance is just about everything we do in this industry. Um, and then through to the sales, we, we have scan them, we DNA test, um, we test for ribeye area, uh, we semen test. Um, there's a lot that goes into the sale. I always say the very last thing we do is put a paint brand on them. And if you can't have your number right, that's the rest of it is, is very small, but it, it's a long process. Yeah, it sounds like a hell of a lot. Of, how much hours go into, like, say, a bull? What do you reckon that that would be? Like, if you if you said right from from the AI right through, like, how many hours of work actually go in per bull? You reckon? I couldn't even imagine to count them, Zach, and I think I'd be really scared if I did. Um, <laughs> but a lot of it, it's it's that job. You know, it's not a job if you love what you do, and it's hmm. the kind of industry to be in. You, nobody's in it just for the dollars. We're all in it because we are truly passionate about our cattle and the breed in general. Yeah, it it sounds amazing. It sounds more like it's um it's it's like science and art and that lifestyle that comes together to, to that makes it all where you're not just uh, breeding an animal for the numbers. They're really your, yeah, they're really your friend as they grow up. And and um it's it's really a, it sounds like a fairly caring process that you put through the entire thing. Oh, oh, it is. Like we we truly nurture them. You know, they're almost you know they're our livestock and they're our livelihood. But they're also our friends and our mates. You know, Brahmin cattle are one yeah. of the the cattle that truly do learn to love you you know people talk that maybe there might have been temperament issues in the past but they're truly one of the most affectionate breeds of cattle that you will get they're um they're, they're a joy to have around yeah is it is it hard to let them go like if you've built this relationship with 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 a um with one of the cows and or one of the bulls is it hard to see them go or, or is it is it is it a, a celebration when they when they end up leaving actually no it's not not hard at all because they're going out to do what they were born to do especially a bull he's going to go out and have a lovely pen of ladies that are going to love him and nurture him for the rest of his life and he gets to eat grass and 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 have the joys of life so 
um, as much as you miss them, it's it's never hard to let them go because they're going out to do and be what they're supposed to be. We, we just got to borrow them for a little time. Yeah, just appreciate the time you had with them, is that it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so what are some of the things that you wish you had known before you had started in the beef industry and, like, some of the biggest lessons you've learnt, like, being in it for, for the amount of time you've had been in it now? Um, every day is a learning curve, um, and I think we're going to continue to grow in the industry with science and technology. So, and, and we are continuing as a um, as a market, as a beef market, to move in, into, like, uncharted territory. So the skills that my family and my father taught me as, as a young girl, you know, I still use today. Um, the ability to be able to look at an animal and judge them for their phenotype, to be able to know that that animal is going to be able to do a particular thing for a particular herd, um, because it's just like anything, not one animal is going to suit every herd. There, there's many types of animals that will suit a certain herd. And that comes with knowledge and through um, and just doing it. I don't think there's anything you could tell somebody that they needed to know before they started in the industry. It truly is, I think, keep your ears open, learn from our peers. We have an amazing amount of really good cattlemen in the Brahmin industry. And I think we just need to listen and learn from, from those. Sometimes what not to do, but mostly the time what to do. There, there's really nothing that you could guide somebody in one particular way. It's, it is, it's just learning and I think moving with the times, we've got to be really proactive to keep our market, our beef market in general and our Brahmin market moving with the times. Yeah. If someone wanted to enter into the, the stud market, if someone's like this, a, a young young person who wants to come in and do this, what advice would you give them? Um, what, and what would be the first steps you think they should take? Um, I think go and visit herds. Don't just buy the first animal you see. Um, because when you visit certain herds, you'll find the animals that are going to suit your paddocks where you live, um, what you want to produce. Um, and then, you know, maybe go to a few auction sales without actually buying anything to start with. Have a really clear idea of what you want and where you want to go. Um, and don't be scared to look further than just a handful of people. Um, I think when you first step into it, the prices can be astronomical, but there's always a bargain somewhere. Um, I think depending on your back pocket and depending on your budget, um, is where you could go. But I think you always need to start with some high-quality animals. You can't start with um, borderline commercial cattle and think you're going to breed up. You really need to start really in the middle to top end. And you can also get those without spending a fortune um, and work from there, and especially with technology with AI and embryo transfer. You know, that can be multiplied in many ways fast. Yeah, that's fantastic. You mentioned you went to agricultural college. Is that something you would recommend to people getting into the industry? Um, that as again, it depends on people's circumstances. You know, we were in a position where um, at that time I did want to travel overseas, and it was going to give me the skills to move on and do what I wanted to do. Um, it was a very broad um, course when I did it. Um, it was just a cert for in, in animal husbandry, and we learnt little bits of everything in the farming industry. I believe um, especially people that haven't had access to um, station life or property life, it really gives them a nice broad introduction into if is this what I want to do, you know, as I leave school. Um, as far as more the stud cattle, probably not. 
it's more a general of everything there is and then you need to you know go in and specialize from there where you find your most common interests yeah so just learn about the cattle market in general learn about being being a farmer working on the land and then niche down from yeah. there for where you want to go with setting yeah it's really good advice because it's not all about cattle you need to be able to fix a fence when the bulls decide they're gonna have a have a fight you need to be able to fix water you know there's lots of things you need to be able to to do to be in the industry it's not just about learning about genetics and what makes what um yeah which sometimes doesn't always work as well it's it's uh the the, the cattle industry certainly sounds like one of those things that's not just an intellectual game it's it's very practical you need to know a lot of skills to to make something work don't you Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Are there any mistakes that you see people make when they go and buy stud cattle, like for their commercial enterprise? So say if someone's um, going to an auction or going to the things, what are some of like the common mistakes you see people make when they do those things? Um, I, I wouldn't like to say people make mistakes. They purchase the animals they believe are the best on the day. Um, however, I think some operations you go to some of those really big auction sales and we'll say Brahman Week's a good example. There's 800 to 1,000 bulls and it's very easy to get lost and confused in all the data and in all the marketing and in all the bulls. Um, a lot of people just go for the biggest and they sometimes forget to look underneath that, look at the age, um, look at the structural soundness. Depending on where you live, some of those bulls may have to travel kilometres to go to water. Um, you know, we all need beef, but at the end of the day, if they can't walk to water and they can't reproduce, then beef is no good to us. Um, you know, so I think a lot of people need to, to look into the animals more at an auction sale rather than um, just go by the fattest one and the heaviest one there. I think, you know, you look into the structure and then the fertility, make sure if it's a bull, it looks like a bull. Um, you know, four legs going in the right direction. It's really quite basic if you bring it down to basics yeah so people just need to understand like what they're looking for for their circumstances whether it would make sure that that uh that cattle that cow fits or that bull fits and then making sure they're not just looking at the top end of the market making sure that they're selecting bulls or, or uh heifers that are going to actually fit their specific herd and their specific environment is that correct that is exactly right that is exactly right as i said it, it's easy to get very lost in the in the auction sales with so many cattle and, um, and there's always bargains. There's always really good cattle that may have not been fed quite as well. Um, you know, it's, um, it's not always an apples to apples environment. It can easily be apples to oranges to pears sometimes, depending on what you're looking for. I think it's, and I think it's really important to go the day before the sale and look in the back pens. That's when you can compare them properly. You can walk through them. They all look great when they're penned up. Um, you know, we're, we've been in this industry a long, long time and we know what animals to put with what animals to make them look the absolute best. Um, so I think if anyone's really seriously, especially if you're looking at buying a top end stud animal, you need to go look before the sale, either in the paddocks at home or look the day before the sale in the pen, back pens of the sale. Yeah. Are there some specific sales that you would recommend to people to, to go to and that are more prevalent for um, buying uh, Brahman cattle? You mentioned uh, Brahman Week before. Is that the best one? Brahman Week is probably the biggest multi-vendor sale um, that we have in, in Australia. I think it's actually the biggest multi-vendor sale in the world. Um, where with produce, I mean, selling the most amount of Brahman bulls in one place at one time. It's um, I think it exceeds everything 
anywhere. So it's always, but as I said, it's easy to get lost there. There's, um, without naming names, there's some really high-end studs that um, that sell high-quality cattle all through, um, you know, Brahmin cattle. It's more looking for what you want and then attending the sales that suit you. The, um, Amer the Australian Brahmin breeders have a, web, a really detailed website which can take you to all the sales that are available uh, when they're on, you know, the amount of lots and, and even pictures and links to pedigrees. So I suggest if you're looking, always um, go into the Australian Brahmin Breeders website. It's brahmin.com.au and have a look at what sales are available. Um, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Becky, for participating in the Closet Client Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. It's been amazing to learn more about your industry and your business. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Um, our website. So it's eurekacreekbrahmins.com. Um, they can contact me personally or we have our Facebook page, Eureka Creek Brahmins. Um, our details are all on the Australian Brahmin Breeders website as well. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Cosmo Client Podcast. If you want to learn more about Eureka Creek Brahmins, visit their website at eurekacreekbrahmins.com.au. Or if you'd like to find out more about Cosla and how we can help your business, visit our website at cosla.com.au. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and get more great business content like this. Hope to catch you in the next episode.